out on Fraser Friday. Kratz and Todd just having the time of their lives, and they've got a really cool card wall. How are you guys doing? It's supposed to be eh, 66 today. Yeah. Back in my house, it's supposed to be 72, so it's perfect. Ooh. It's like Cali. Right now, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Todd Father, this is all you, man. You pre I, I want you to present the problem and the solution, if you can, for us. Well, you know, I always have a solution, for one. So for me, <laughs> the problem is MLB umpires, we're making a spectacle out of all this rosin thing going on. I haven't been on the show in a couple of days, so we need to figure this out. Yeah, I mean, Kratzy, the boys just want to play. Figure it out. The solution is either let them use the rosin or not. There's got to be something. Right, we've been using rosin or players been using rosin over the years for a long time now. Let them use it. You tell them to go wash their hands. You have an LMV person telling them what to do and saying it's okay. Now, guess what? He goes out there and now it's not okay. So what, where's the disconnect here? Figure it out. If not, come on over. We'll have, you know, a few glasses of vino. We'll figure it out <laughs> at, the, at the crib here. Maybe take a couple batting practice shots. We got to do it. Phil Cuzzy's my guy, New Jersey guy. Let's go. That's three times, boss. Kratzy, 10-game suspension. So here's the deal with Scherzer. Suspended 10 games for sticky stuff, violation, too much rosin, too much, I guess, alcohol that caused the sticky stuff, which it sounds like the league wanted him to put on his hands to clean it. And some people are like, see, he took it. He's a cheater. Well, here's the problem. And Max emphasized this when he spoke to the media after they announced that he's taken the suspension. The only person that decides if Max is guilty or not, or really just if Max can appeal the suspension and get games knocked off, is an MLB official. Like someone who works for the league, whose primary interest and goals are to protect the league and to do whatever the commissioner's office says for him to do. So, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That's not a real trial at all. I don't know who made that up. That's my problem. Who decided that we're going to have an arbitration panel, or we're going to appeal something with someone who is completely tied to one side. It makes no sense. It would be like two tech giants going against each other in a court case, and all of the lawyers from one of the tech giants are the judge, the jury, and the whole deal. Like, it doesn't make any sense at all, and Max didn't know that initially, or at least he said. So once he found out that he had a 0% chance of his case being anything but a 10-game suspension, he said, am I going to wait? Am I going to fight a fight that will not result in a dub and then miss time that is more important for the Mets? As in, he is now eligible to return on May 1st. That is the last game of a series against the Atlanta Braves. Divisional games matter more. So he's just going to wear it, eat it, and do what the Mets say because they do pay him a lot and the Mets want him to be back for that series. They're like, they know. I mean, the Mets, it's the ownership group all the way down. They know that the league already called and said, you have no chance. So just take it, wear it, and let's move on. I need more clarity on so much of this. Like you said, Scott, like where does this come from? Why are we, why are we so – it's so one-sided. I mean, we talked about the rules. Like Whit Merrifield's on the rule committee, and he goes, oh, yeah, well – it's a six to four vote anyway. It's like, it's like, hey, we want to give you guys a say in this, but you actually aren't going to have a say, so it doesn't matter. Like, that's not how, that's not how we grow the game. That's how we get to this stale 
point when you have issues like this, like maybe, maybe he still gets his suspension, but through an arbitrator, we can talk about stuff like, hey, the rosin you're putting out there will get sticky when X amount of moisture gets put on. No, they're like, hey, we're gonna have somebody in the league make these bags of rosin and everybody needs to use them. Oh, by the way, if you get caught, you're suspended with our rosin. Like, I, I, I hope I'm not ignorant in believing the fact that Max is only using rosin, but I just don't understand why he wouldn't use rosin. And I looked up the spin rate stuff yesterday after we had our show. I wish I had done it before the show. His spin rate was like, it was like minus 20 down from his norm on two different pitches. And it was up 62 RPMs, which is nothing. So he was not using anything that he, that hasn't been checked before. He had the same, he had the same stickiness. He had the same spin, which is the only reason they started the whole stickiness was so that we got rid of this illegal spin. So guys weren't throwing wiffle balls up there. Do you think Max was targeted? I asked Scott that. I said that yesterday, and Scott, Scott Boris, when he was on yesterday, and he, he had very lawyer speak about it. Like, he can't defame somebody. You can't be like, oh. And I wasn't saying Phil Cuzzy was the one that, that was targeting him. I just felt like it was something that he said, what he said on our show Monday. And then two days later, it happens. And I'm not saying FT Live is, you know, the epicenter of baseball talk right now, but people hear stuff. And it's just such a coincidence. And I feel like a lot of coincidences are, are not coincidences. They're, they're real life. And we have to look at this stuff. And I just feel like there needs to be, there just needs to be answers from their side. And, and I, I don't feel like we have any yet. Hopefully we're going to get my guy on and we can talk about it from the league side of it too. All right. Well, I'd love to hear anyone else um, comment wise. If you have questions on it, obviously we're pissed because just nothing's been decided. Plus, I just genuinely think Max Scherzer was suspended for nothing just now. Anyway, happier thoughts, happier times. We have one of the game's greatest athletes casually fighting through traffic to get back from paternity leave and then just drop into play shortstop. Mookie Betts now playing a little short for the Dodgers. And there's a background story to this, too that leads him up to this point. He was not supposed to crack that position in any way this year. There's supposed to be some more second base time. Okay. But Gavin Lux goes down torn ACL. Miguel Rojas, not hitting Chris Taylor's dealt with some injuries and, and not hitting well right now. So they're like, all right, Mookie can basically do anything. Let's throw him in there. His first attempt. Oh, just going to run past a uh, second, hit the bag, jump throw to first and make a little double play action and show everybody that, Maybe I should have been playing this position all along. Look at this play. And his boy, Belly, is uh, the first force out there at second. I mean, that's an absolute, like, your, your first game at shortstop in the show, and you just, you make a picture? Like, you, you, I mean, that's a poster right there. That's, if it wasn't in the Dodger away uniforms, that would be, that would be my new Instagram picture if I ever got to play a minute at shortstop. Like, it's, but that's so Mookie bets of him. Like, to come out and do something like that, because he just feels like everything he touches is just awesome. Like, oh, what's this new game? Croquet? Yeah, I'll play that. Dunking a basketball, running routes in football. It's uh, just straight athlete, dude. Yeah. 
Like, hey, congratulations, whoever drafted him. Like, that was a real reach. Like, <laughs> you watch this guy walk, and you're like, yeah, that guy can do it. Yep. Like, whatever it is, he can do it. Let's bring in our guy, our all-star closer. Ryan Helsley joins us right now on FT Live. Ryan, great to see you. Where you at? Give us the uh, where in the world right now. We're in Seattle. We just started a long oh, wait, I don't hear him. 11 game road trip. 11 mm. games. Nice. <laughs> I remember those. 10, maybe. Yeah, I can't count. Maybe it's 10. It's maybe it's only 10. 11 yeah. would be a weird number, but maybe 11 yeah. days, 10 games. Yeah. That's where else do y'all go? Seattle and where else? San Fran and LA Dodgers. Is, is that how you woke up like that? Because I know it's still early over there, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm still stuck on uh, Central Standard Time, man. I woke up like 8 o'clock. Oh, it's the worst. And then you get used to it the last two games of the series, and then you got to go back home, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, we've been talking about the Scherzer topic a lot here. I want to ask you about this. Um, rosin. I, I feel like every pitcher uses it. Um, do you use it? Are you one of those rosin guys? Do you need it? I mean, is there something specific you've seen on this topic where it's like a little out of hand? Like, what are your thoughts about this whole situation? Yeah, I definitely use it, but there's not much time to go to it anymore. You know, you're so sped up by the pitch clock, you really don't have time. Uh, especially on hotter days, you really need it out there. You know, you're not you're not trying to hit anybody or let one sell up and in, so you're really trying to dry your hands off as much as you can. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know. The topic's crazy right now. I mean, I don't I feel like it's a super gray area, and um, I feel like guys obviously aren't trying to cheat. But you know, from what I hear from Scherzer, he wasn't trying to do anything wrong either. But you know, I mean, I definitely think there needs to be some clearing up going on. We want to hear your opinion on it. So that's why we have you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Hey, talking about chirping and yelling at people, we saw Bumgarner and Contreras the other day. I know you were probably were you probably in the outfield by that time, I would assume. I think I was actually walking to the bullpen. I usually get out there in the fourth inning, and I think that's when it was. And well, I well, saw well, that. My question is. For, for you, for about that, that you know, did, did you hear anything from Contreras afterwards? What are your thoughts on it? And have you ever thrown a pitch like that, seen a guy kind of take a grunt on a swing? Have you ever been like, yo, dog, who are you looking at? What's up? Have you ever done that before? I feel like you're a mellow guy, but I feel like if I took a swing and kind of like gave you one of these, like throw me another one, I feel like you would come back at me a little bit, no? Yeah, just playing Contreras, you know, the past – four years and him being in Chicago, you can kind of see that fire in him. And, you know, even in spring training, you know, a couple outbursts and, you know, you can see the fire. He really cares. You know, he loves the game. He's very passionate. And, you know, I saw him do that. And I mean, that guy, that guy loves the game. He wants to win. You know, he's out there giving it his all. And um, I don't know me personally. I've, I don't think I've ever had that happen. I'm sure if somebody said something, it might trigger something. But like you said, I'm a pretty laid back guy. It might take a lot for me. Um, I'm kind of locked up in the moment. I'm really not really worried about, the hitter's reaction most of the time. Well, let, let, let me ask you this. this. What, what, what would trigger you? Because I, I, I got to tell my, my cronies on the other teams here who would get fired <laughs> up and let me know or not. I, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. You have to be in the moment type thing. I got, I got you. I got you. Make fun of your hair or something. I'll figure something out. The more I look at I'll find out. He throws 100. You throw 105 miles an hour. You, you don't really have to flex on anybody. You're just like <laughs> – you're just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just throw it by you. Ryan, do you think that in baseball we still have like this weird thing where hitters will try and tell a pitcher he's soft if he's not throwing his fastball enough? You know what I'm saying? Where sometimes yeah. guys in the dugout be like, that was me. <laughs> tell him, tell him, Tom. That was me, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get it, though. I mean, 
I, I like my fastball, so I like to challenge guys with it. But I mean, I definitely see where they're coming from. I know if I was hitting, I'd want something a little easier to hit too, man. These guys these days come out of bullpens throwing, you know, pitches like I've never seen before, sweepers and stuff. You know, eighty-eight moving all the way across the plate and stuff. So, um, I mean, these hitters are crazy good. You know, you see guys paint a pitch or make the perfect pitch and guys still lace it or, you know, I mean, baseball's a funny game. You can make your worst pitch and still get it out. So, I mean, it's just the way the game is. We, we go over this a lot um, here in the, in the foul territory about Hall of Famers. Um, looking at your team, how many Hall of Famers do you think you got in your team? And uh, do you, yeah, we'll go from there. How many Hall of Famers do you think right now in your squad do you think you got? I mean, I think three for sure easily. I mean, I think Nolan and Goldie are locks, and I think Wayno's kind of teetering. You know, I've, I think he's right there, you know, could be. Um, well, I mean, Jordan Walker could be. You know, he's 20 years old, hitting 300 right now. You know, and Nolan Gorman's having a crazy start to this year, and he's only 22, you know. So we definitely got a, a lot of young guys, too, as well, that could, you know, have long, great careers. You brought up Jordan Walker. What uh, Would you have been able to get him out? Here in this in that hot stretch, what was it, 12, 13 games to start his career? Would you have been able to get him out? I think so. I mean, I like to think I can get anybody out at any time. You know, I feel like the kind of the mindset you gotta have is back end guy or pitching in general, you know, you can't be out there pitching scared, but you know, whoever's in the box, I feel like you gotta have the mentality you can get him out no matter what kind of streak they're in. Ryan, give us more on Jordan now that you guys are getting to spend some time with him. Have there been any moments where you're like, okay, like whether it's something that he's into. Did he have a heated moment? Not necessarily on the field, where even if he's just passionate about something, like, you know what really grinds my gears? Just <laughs> anything about Jordan Walker that we can get to know, because he just seems like so nice, appreciative, happy to be here, just knock per day. What's he like, though? No, he really is. I mean, what you kind of see right there, what you said is kind of how he is. You know, he's a quiet, humble kid, you know, super nice guy, works hard, obviously, and gets in early and gets his work done. Um, I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, I haven't really got to talk to him much. Obviously, hitters and pitchers are kind of on their own schedules most of the time and, you know, watch him film at different times like that or hitting BP or whatever. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great, great teammate and, you know, got a lot of potential and hopefully get to know him better throughout the season. Now, we talked about rookies and, like, kind of getting them into the, into the fold and everything. You guys took a long flight. You landed – Who's the bus? Who's who's on the mic for the Cardinals right now? That's because that's yeah. that is I love whoever's on the mic and I want to hear who's on it and maybe like a little snippet like this is <laughs> we, just just to hear what we can hear. Yeah. Um, so usually it's Wayno, but he was on his rehab start and Miles was on it this time. And, you know, usually, like you said, you land and guys come up and sing or tell a story or get asked questions or whatever. And um, usually it's like. Uh, the rookies, obviously, the younger guys, and they'll make them sing a song. And Walker actually killed his. I forgot what song it was, but it was a rap song, and he rapped every lyric for like a minute straight and got the bus going crazy. So he, he crushed it on that. That was that was a fun moment right there. Nice. And who's and who is and who's better, Wayno or Miles? Because we have them both probably, on here, so yeah, probably, probably Wayno. I feel like he's he's done it longer. You know, he's. People respect him because he's Wayno. You know, not that they don't respect Miles, but Wayno's Wayno. You know, he's kind of like that Mount Rushmore type of Cardinals player and baseball player. And you know, when he's on the mic, he he makes it fun and you know gets the bus pretty rowdy. And what's, what's his, his and what's, what's his, his style? Is his style like is he a is he a radio DJ? Like this is the whole like on the mic thing. Just to explain it to fans, like 
every road trip, you usually hop on the mic after the flight and somebody's on the mic for 20, 30 minutes calling guys up. I've seen guys, you know, you know, WFAN here in Seattle, you know, on the microphone throughout the whole bus. But what's his style? What's Wayno's style if he's if he's the OG there? Yeah, he'll, he'll usually uh, text out in the group chat. Like I said, the hotline's open. And he'll everybody will text in like, you know, kangaroo court fines, like what's somebody done dumb in the past week, you know, and call him out. And then you either plead guilty or you get to come up and uh, kind of plead your case as well. And then, you know, that, that gets pretty funny too. Guys try to defend themselves or whatever it may be. And then, you know, like you said, we have guys singing or, you know, telling jokes. Um, and wh- whatever he feels like telling him to do, honestly, you know, he's in control and, you know, being a young guy, you kind of got to do what they got to say. And then if you don't, everybody will scream at you to go to the back of the bus and, you know, get in the bathroom and sit there until you're told to come out. Hey, who, who had the last kangaroo court there? If you can, you can tell us who got, who got in trouble last. Um, it was last year. We haven't done it yet this year. We just made guys sing this year and honestly can't remember, but they, they're hilarious. You know, guys trying to get up there and they start stuttering and, you know, you got 25 guys yelling at you and, you know, it gets pretty heated. It's, it's a fun environment to be in. Exactly. You can kind of get, I remember the first time I had to sing my alma mater, man. It was, uh, I enjoyed it. There's some guys who are real nervous about it. Now I want to ask you a question about yourself a little bit. So I'm, I'm a big card collector, as we know on this show. Is there, is there a hobby of yours? Are you a card collector? What's, what's some kind of hobbies that you like doing, you know, away from baseball? Yeah, I like to hunt and fish a lot. I'm an outdoors kind of guy, small-town kid, so I kind of grew up doing that kind of stuff. Um, but since I got to the big leagues, I've gotten into, you know, getting some jerseys signed, and, you know, especially guys like Yachty, Wayno, and Albert. And I've got one from Nolan and Goldie. Um, got a couple bats from, you know, those guys, too, and, Wayno actually gave me his bat. I got hit with it in my first big league game, one of his bats. Um, and he signed it for me, so that was really cool. Um, I also got a few baseballs from the All-Star game last year from guys. Um, and I got a Kershaw jersey as well. Um, that was pretty cool. I got to ask him for it. and That was a, a pretty cool moment to ask one of the all-time greats, you know, especially to get his signature. Ryan, I'm going to rip a few fan questions with you, but I have one that's not in this current live chat right now that I've been seeing circulating. Is Lars Newtbar, your boy, the most famous St. Louis Cardinal worldwide right now? No doubt, dude. Me and him, you know, last year we had roughly the same amount of followers on Instagram. He was giving me about like 1,000 or 2,000, you know, and he's giving me crap here and there. He's like, you're never going to catch me, you know, and then – he was gone for a week. He was up to like six fifty. He's like, bro, you got no shot now. <laughs> now he's over a million. And I mean, it's crazy how you know star, how much starstruck he's gotten. He's just went straight to the moon with it all, and it's it's been insane to see and follow. You got to do the IG collab with him. You know about how that works? Yeah, uh, I, I'm okay. about to get him to start posting me some more or something, hyping me up a little bit. Yeah, I got some tips. I'll, I'll give you after. Um, wait, let me get a few fan questions in here. So Lorenzo says, who has a better glove, Arenado or Goldschmidt? Uh, I think Arenado, but Goldie's a beast over there. You know, he definitely helps Nolan out sometimes. And, you know, just to watch Nolan night in and night out, man, it, it's insane. He's, he's literally a robot. Both of them are. I, I'll tell him all the time, you guys are robots, man. You guys make it look so easy. And, you know, just less thinking out there on the field, you know, it's just all reaction and, you know, those guys take care of business and have obviously been some of the game's greatest players for the last 10 years. You know, it's it's fun to watch and really fun to be a part of. This one from Jay, if you were to play for any other team, which team would you love to play for? I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Uh, I've honestly never Who was really your squad growing up? 
It was St. Louis. I mean, I, uh, wow. I they're they're my favorite team. Yeah, I went I went to St. Louis games, Royals and the Rangers. They were all kind of same distance away from home. But I grew up playing a lot of sports, so I wasn't really too bought into you know Major League Baseball at the time, and didn't really follow it closely. Okay, then I can help this out and and be a little bit of the PC answer, but give me a team that you'd want to play for in any sport. In any sport? Because you said you played other sports, so did you want yeah, to be on? Yeah, I played football and basketball as well. Um, I was a big Kobe fan growing up. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not tall enough to play in the NBA. I'm only like 6'2", so that would have never worked out. Um, Football-wise, uh, kind of a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I guess I'd pick them. Getting to play in Dallas, live in Dallas, and play in Jerry's World, I think that'd be pretty cool. And a couple more. Um what sounds better when throwing 105, mitt popping or crowd grasping? Probably the probably the mitt popping. I mean, it's it's a different different kind of sound. Um, I, I'm not really paying attention to it much out there. You know, sometimes you just kind of feel it, like, oh, that one came out a little harder. You know, you give a glance to the the board up there, and you know, not every day is that well, but you know, you can definitely tell those days when the ball is coming out a little harder. Also, Kratzy, don't call me out. I meant gasping. Don't don't try and correct. Oh no no I was I knew what you meant. It's okay. You're you're reading you're reading off the fans. I wasn't. I, the I, font's I too small. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but like 105, you're you're going through the mid. Do you guys ever give Hicksy any you know any problems? Because he hit he knocked Contreras out of the game with his 105 to his kneecap, and he also knocked. I won't say what it was of Yadier Molina's with another 105 pitch. So do you guys give Hicksy, do you guys give Hicksy any problems? Like he's knocking more Cardinals out of games than he is other teams out of games? No, I mean, that dude's stuff's insane. You know, he's throwing 105 and it, you know, it moves like a wiffle ball literally at 100 plus miles an hour every time. And then he's got a nasty slider at 90 going the other way, you know, so his – I'd hate to be a catcher, man. What those guys do is insane. I mean, I, I play catch them every day, and it's obviously not 100%. I can't imagine what it looks like, you know, being 60 feet away and this dude max effort every time. Ryan, another fan question here from Robert. And I know we talked about the song itself, but want to focus more on, on the light show aspect. So he said, how much does Hells Lee love entering to Hells Bells? The stadium is electric when it happens. Sick light show. I mean, we've seen this really pick up over the past year where if you're somewhat of a firm closer on a ball club, you're going to get a whole song and dance when you enter. And the fan experience is heightened. It just makes the game cool. I know you've talked about you feel pumped up about it, but what, what have you thought about how that works with you and with other closers? We're seeing it now. It's not just Edwin Diaz, Jordan Romano. I think we see it with who? Even a non-closer like Andres Munoz, he, he closes sometimes, but not all the time. So I think it's awesome, and it highlights you guys more. Yeah, it's really cool, you know. I mean, bullpens don't really get much love, but be able to get that in the back end of the game, you know, kind of lock the fans in some more and, you know, really hype up that ninth inning moment, you know, coming in to close the game. And, you know, most places, like you said, are shutting the lights off or doing something with the music. So that's it's really cool and definitely gets, you know, the stadium rocking. And it's definitely a place you want to be, you know, in the ninth inning and, you know, have that ball and have the opportunity to go out there. Hey, what? So go ahead, Kratzy. I'm going to butt in with your walkout song. What other aspect in life would you wish you had a walkout song to? Like, what would it be sick if you were like, like you just you just down this monster elk on a hunt, and you had hell's bells like, 
you know, it just, it just hits as you're like walking through the woods at 630 in the morning. This thing's dead in the, what, what else in life would you like a walk up song to? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could do something like that. That's a, that's a, that's a good question. I've never really thought about that. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe a walk-up song when you're about to go max out on a squat or a deadlift or something. I mean, hype yourself <laughs> up a little bit, too. <laughs> I, like I like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Ryan, what's your message right now to Cardinals fans who don't realize that the season is 162 games and you're only a few games under 500, and really some people that are freaking out about the Pirates – probably are going to check the calendar in August or September and go, oh, yeah, this is a normal season. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's my fifth year. And, you know, at some point, like you said, it's 162 games. You're going to have a bad stretch. And I think this year it's just, you know, the start of the season for us. And, you know, where most years is probably in June or July or even August. And, um, you know, people don't really bat an eye at it because at that point in time you won 70, 80 games and you're – 10 to 15 to 20 games over 500, you know, so it doesn't look as bad. But, you know, we got a really good ball club. Um, I think we got a lot of talent. You know, we just got to have things go our way a little bit and, um, you know, just get going right here and catch a good hot streak for us. I've got one for you. I've been polling players this week on the new rules that are being experimented in the Atlantic League. Have you seen them, first off? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay, but, uh, so I'll, I'll help you out. Because the Atlantic League, they'll use it as a testing ground. And sometimes I feel bad for the players there because some of the rules – are okay they work out and some of them are ridiculous like they tried to move the mound which obviously there was a lot of uh a lot of pushback on that one but the the some of the current rules that are being implemented in the atlantic league this season a designated runner that can come into the game and then come out and then come back in um there is a hook rule which means if your starting pitcher doesn't go five innings at least you lose your designated hitter so you have to put pitchers back in to hit for the rest of the game, where I guess you can pinch hit and mess around like that, but you lose your DH. And then what was the other one, Kratzy? What's the third one? Help uh, me out. The hook. No, 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 the hook rule, double hook. What's oh, one, one disengagement. Oh, and then one disengagement instead of the current two. So let's get your breakdown on those three that are being tested out right now. What do you think? I don't mind the pitch runner. I think if it's just for catchers, it would work out because especially with the pitch clock, you know, in between innings, when you got a guy coming out of the bullpen or even a starter, you know, it's hard to get dressed and get your warm-up throws in, you know, and that guy's trying to scramble and run across the field and put all this gear on. And, you know, so I think maybe for a catcher it might work. Um, I think for anybody else, I'm not really for it. I think for a catcher it would be okay. Um, the disengagement's definitely against that. You know, I think, I think pitchers need a disengagement with nobody on. You know, you're out there every 15 seconds – you know, ripping balls, and it's not even in the middle of the summer yet. You know, who, who knows how this pitch clock is going to fit guys when it's 100-plus outside and guys are sweating, and, you know, I mean, it might get crazy out there. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and what, what was the last one? I forgot what was the last one. The hook said. rule. So if oh, the, the starter rule. doesn't go five, then you lose the DH. No, I don't like that one either. I think if we're going to have a DH, let's just keep it how it is, and, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out in the bullpen after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kratzy shaking his head over here. I don't know what's going on. Right. Listen, bud. Look. Okay. I'm here in New Jersey, and we take care of guys who are you're talking bad about different dudes. Like, pinch hitting for your catchers? Pinch running for your catchers? What is this? High school? Little league? We got courtesy runners? Like, 
Why don't I, mean, I pitch if, rush if, any, you? if anybody you needs one, if anybody you get needs one, tired. Catcher, you know, those guys are out there squatting for three hours and taking balls off the knee and forearm. You know, I mean, they they could take a little break and get some help out there. I'm with you, bud. I'm with you. I don't care what he says. Get them in. Get the gear on. Let's go. Quickens the game for Yeah, one. I mean, they're trying to speed the game up. I mean, it's only going to help yeah. if that's what they're trying to implement. He's just, he's just mad because he's trying to get his run scored up. And yeah, I'm trying to get my arbitration. I'm trying to get 13, 14 runs a year, especially as a backup catcher. Come on, Hilsley. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Hey, one more for you. One more fan question. What's your shoulder arm flexibility like? Can you touch your elbows together? Yeah, I think that's not too crazy. I mean, I think that's pretty easy. Uh, coming up through the minor leagues, I was relatively a stiff guy, so that was something I had to work on and kind of get get a routine down and, you know, help my body stay mobile and stuff. So that's something that has kind of helped me, I think, stay healthy and uh, get me to where I am today is a good mobility program. Anybody have some some weird flexibility like with their – you know how some of the pitchers with their fingers too, they can like bend them back. And, I mean, I worked with Pedro Martinez for many years and it, he's just got – straight play-doh fingers it's ridiculous um not really um alex reyes was the only guy that i've ever seen as like super flexible like that dude was so flexible and hyper mobile i guess you would say he had crazy mobility and like all of our testing and stuff that we would do but nobody currently on the test right now cool hey ryan good luck out there man great catching up with you this was fun we'll do it again in a few weeks all right thanks brother. sounds good thank you guys good appreciate, talking it. To you. Yep. appreciate you man let's get back to the guest line right now Mark Carrig from The Athletic joining us, and we are very excited. Ooh, I see. Oh, I would say, look at the background that he's got. That is the most pro background out wow. there. Wow. Is that at your house? This is at the uh, lids in my house. There's a Cinnabon down the hall. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, like this, is, this is my home office. It's my home office. I can't wear hey, any of this stuff to work. So it's you don't give me somewhere. one of them Cinnabons. Yeah. Hey, listen, I would, you want I one? To, I, I, I get one right now. They're, they're, they're fresh out the oven. <laughs> what about Annie Ann's? Can I get an Annie Ann's? Because they always smell so good oh. when I come up the escalator. They're closed. They're behind the earring kiosk. Oh, I can't get them. The $20 <laughs> piercings. Look at this guy's background. I love that is it. Awesome. Hey, I love it. Hold on real quick. Wait, is there an Oakland A's hat back there or no? Dude, there's like freaking 20 of them back here. Yeah, man. man let's come on. Look at the let's top row. Look at Wow. Oh, they're up yeah. top. All right, I see you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, and just not even all of them. So, you know, we got to feel Pour one out for the Oakland A's. Let's get oh. right to it. So you just wrote about them, article in The Athletic. I've been, We've all been all over this whole situation, Mark, because we don't have to hold back and get restricted from anyone on a show like this. So how pissed off are you for <laughs> fans about the process that just went down over the last few years, the A's ownership quiet quitting so that they can move and make more money in Vegas? Yeah, that's the thing I'm most pissed off about, honestly. It's, you know, I think anybody that's paying attention to this, there's a lot of reasons why these things happen, okay? Teams move. It's oftentimes about money. It's business. We got all that. We're all grownups. What I think they did not have to do was spend the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years making the team unwatchable whenever they could making the experience terrible so that everybody that tunes into the game sees the seats are empty. And then these people can go say, well, this is why we're moving. People don't come to these games. It's disingenuous. It's wrong. It's a false narrative. And I know this because having grown up there, there was one period of time in basically Oakland A's history where they did everything you're supposed to do, invested in the stadium, built a great team, spent the money to bring in awesome players. And guess what happened? near the top in attendance in the American League every year, 
They were winning pennants, it felt like, every year. Won a World Series. And, you know, built a team that's remembered to this day. I mean, I'm looking at a Bash Brothers poster right now. There's nobody that watches baseball that needs any explanation of who the Bash Brothers are, what they did, all that stuff. And that is a time period I'm talking about. So I, I can't hear this narrative of, well, they got to move because the fans don't show up. Like they're blaming the fans for this. It's nonsense. It's not fair to them. All right. Like they wanted to move to Vegas because they're going to get a better deal there. All right. That's pretty straightforward. But don't pin this on the fans. It ain't right. Yeah. yeah like, like, like you, you said, said before, before, the main reason why they're moving, they're getting a better deal. Um, that's obvious. They're going to Las Vegas. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, it's just something that's just toppling and toppling. And for me, what I read it and all what you were writing now, did they really increase the ticket prices? Like, yeah. was that like a big to do? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, you, you know, and look, Tajir, like, I, I, I've covered baseball since 2008. Here's the one thing I learned right away. Right? The game is incredibly difficult. So I really don't like, you know, talking about guys that are struggling when, like, it's a hard game to play. This is a three win baseball team right now. All right. And they were built to do exactly this. All right. You got a bunch of people who are kind of feeling their way through their younger players. Sometimes they don't throw strikes. You know, they're not going to be able to adjust when they get into a, a skid because they're learning on the job. Well, they were put in position to do this. So what do you think is going to happen? Right. Like they're, they're not going to win a lot of games this year. Then they had the audacity to raise ticket prices. So like not only did they gut the team roster, you know, to, to the point where it wasn't going to be competitive, but then they increased the price for the privilege of going to go watch it. And it's like, it's so transparent, you guys like this. And, and my thing is like, really, did you really need to do that? Did they really have to go into full tank mode? Because I think, you know, logically speaking, Las Vegas is a growing city. The Bay Area has two teams. Historically, it probably shouldn't have had two teams to begin with. Okay, there's a, there's a pretty decent argument to be made there. So you didn't have to like, go all in like this and like torch the place and basically blame the fan base on the way out the door. But that's what they did. Like they, they decided we're not going to leave anything to chance. Let's go full major league, except without any of the fun. All right. And without any of the unexpected winning. All right. Like that. And that's, that's a hard one because I think, again, I'm biased, man. I grew up there. I, I, I know that there are A's fans. I know there's a lot of them. And I know they care a lot. But when you've been kind of pissed on for all these years, what do you think is going to happen? Why would they keep coming to the park? And yeah, Todd, they raised the prices ahead of this season. It, it's just, you know, hard. It, it's hard to watch. And like, I just, I don't like when people that don't know the area, that haven't been to the park, that don't know the history, say things like, well, look at this. You got 10 people in the stands. Of course they moved. All right. Why are there 10 people in the stands? It's not because these people don't care. That's my point. It's because they were made not to care. And it's just not fair to blame them for this situation at all. Do you think anything like this could have happened on the East Coast? Or do you feel like because <sighs> there was already a team in the city or because there just wasn't enough coverage? Because this is, like you said, this wasn't just like, oh, wow, I didn't know the A's were going to move. Like, they've been doing this. They were trying to do this a long time ago, even when Grant Belfort was coming in and, you know, Everybody was going ham in the stands. Like, could this have happened in the East Coast, or is it just a something something that happened out there? Yeah, like it's. I think this is such a unique situation, right? Because it's, you know, the Bay Area isn't like New York, so it's not like this big giant place where it makes perfect sense to have two clubs. So I think that's already by itself sort of 
an odd situation. And, and like, even when the A's were going good, right? The Giants were there before they got there. So, like, the A's have kind of been that second team, sort of what you get with the White Sox in Chicago and the Angels in L.A. And, to you know, it used to be this way, but the Mets in New York, right? So there's always been that sort of that number one, number two situation. I think where it changes is that I'm not sure that on the East Coast that, like, you know, there'd be too much attention paid if, like, some team out here tried to do that. If that makes sense, like if the Mets decided, um, you know what, we're just going to stop trying. Like I think there'd be an issue, right? Like there's just too many people paying attention to it and getting loud about it, um, you know. And that has to do with just the fact that New York is a bigger place, um, and you know, and its history with baseball is like goes a, a lot further back. So I think yeah, there's, that's an interesting point. It's a little bit different, um, you know. Now look, I'm born and raised on the West Coast. I made my professional career on the East Coast. It's kind of weird. Um, the thing I kind of resent about folks out here talking about West Coast baseball fans is, yeah, it's different, but like that doesn't mean they don't care. It is different, though. All right. And some of it is just history, um, you know, numbers like the cities are bigger here in, in a lot of cases. So it's it's really mostly that kind of thing. But you know, don't confuse that with not caring. You know, ask a Dodger fan that that's watching every night. Those folks care, too. Hey, so I want to lay a couple things out there over the past 24 hours that we heard. One is Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, who said they don't play nice in the sandbox. So this is from the Las Vegas <laughs> Review Journal. He said, quote, I won't forget what they did to us in Oakland. They squatted on a lease for 10 years and made it impossible for us to build on that stadium. Then another quote, they marketed the team as rooted in Oakland. That's been their mantra through the whole thing. The slogans they've been using have been a slap to the face of the Raiders. And they were trying to win over that type of mentality in the Bay Area, well, all they did was fuck the Bay Area. And then <laughs> there's one more here. So the mayor had some really strong words about how this all went down and how they're trying to use Oakland as leverage even with Vegas too. I mean, hey, let's be real. The A's ownership has been terrible for a long time. Even during COVID, they were like the only ones trying not to pay the minor league players. The dude's literally a billionaire. So I think we have the sound too from the mayor. It's become clear that we are not able to reach an acceptable terms and that the A's have not been engaged as good partners in these efforts. At every opportunity, the A's have made increasing demands on Oakland. And at every opportunity, we have risen to the challenge and overcome the hurdles placed before us. Instead of working with us, they have announced a land deal in another city. And I want to be very clear. This announcement happened mid-negotiations, and it shows that they had no interest in reaching a deal with Oakland at all. Oakland is not interested in being used as leverage in the A's negotiations with Las Vegas. And it is disrespectful to our residents and our fans to string the city along this way. We will not continue discussions under these circumstances and will instead work for a development deal that actually creates opportunities for Oaklanders and includes partners that are committed to the success of our city, our communities, our residents, and our businesses. Thank you. Walter. What do you think of those words and what Mark Davis said? Well, you know, when people are fighting over large sums of money, it tends to get a little bit messy. <laughs> and that's what this is. Like, so, you know, this is part cover your ass. This is part 
kicking people when they're down. That's what the Mark Davis quote is. Like he obviously is still pissed off about how it went down. And so, you know, the body ain't even cold yet. And he's over here taking jabs at it. And like, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like you've harbored a grudge. I think it's funny for someone like, you know, overseas a team that moved out of Oakland twice to talk about rooted in Oakland. Like it's ridiculous. That's pretty rich. All right. That's pretty rich. But like, you know, listening to the mayor there, like the back and forth, look, this is par for the course. And I don't even think she's totally wrong. Of course, there's a leverage aspect to this. And it is important to note that even with Las Vegas, hey, that deal's not all the way done yet either. All right. There are still hurdles to clear and they've got a time restriction to clear them in. So, you know, this is like a horse race. Hold all tickets. Not official yet. Um, you know, it's probably going to happen, but it's still not totally done. Right. Like we're, we're, this is a baseball show. There's a reason they say pending physical. And that's the phase that this deal is in right now. All right. It's pending physical. Probably going to happen. We've also seen where it hasn't. All right. So, look, the mayor of Oakland in this case, I think, is, you know, calling the A's bluff. That's what this is. All right. She's going to frame it as its leverage. She's right. Well, you know, she isn't groveling back to the table. That's the message she's sending. We will see how it plays out. But, you know, I think they're as good as, you know, out the door unless something crazy happens. But boy, how fun would that be if they blow this deal in Vegas? That's when it gets real interesting. All right? that, if we're rooting for chaos, there it is, boys. Right there. This one, that would, oh, that the would bag definitely fell. Be, what do we do? You know? that, would, that would definitely be something if it goes back and forth. <laughs> hey, we're coming back. Hey, we're going. Um, then we'd be, then you'd have to come back on and we go over again. My, my last question towards it, have you heard from any like older guys that played there, like a Ricky Henderson or, you know, a Mark McGuire, anybody that, you know, has played in Oakland that expressed their feelings about it? Have we heard from anybody like that? Yeah. You know, Dave Stewart gave an interview to the athletic today, of course, right? Like legendary pitcher four straight, you know, years where he wins 20 games, like, you know, a key part of these, you know, some of the best A's teams ever. You know, the other thing about Dave Stewart, he's from Oakland, all right? Like, he's a local guy. And, you know, he was sharing memories of, of being at the ballpark as a kid, going there for his birthday, kind of seeing all this weird zany stuff that Charlie Finley used to do to entertain fans and, and some of the great players that would pass through town. And, you know, the, the thing that struck me was like, you know, and this is, again, a, a guy that understands the baseball business. Obviously, he's helping to lead an expansion effort in Nashville, like accomplished pitcher, was an agent, worked in front offices, ran front offices. I mean, Dave Stewart's done pretty much everything there is to do in the game. And here he is being sad about the fact that like he can't believe all of that's going to be gone. All those memories, all that history, all the things that happened in Oakland. It's almost like it's just going to get blotted out. So that was pretty powerful. If you haven't seen it, it's on The Athletic now. Like it, Again, he talked about expansion and all that stuff. But also, yeah, just being kind of a kid from that area. And like it's, it's hard for him to wrap his mind around this. And, you know, I heard that from various people in baseball yesterday, too, just after all this went down, like expressing similar thoughts, folks with connections to the area, folks with connections to the team. Same kind of thing, sort of like this. It's hard to believe that it's happening, even though I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall for a really long time. If there's any good in this world, every single city will just say, nope, sorry, doors closed until there's a different ownership group. Because you can't force an owner to sell, but if no one wants him in their city and he has to stay in Oakland, he will sell the team. That would yeah. be so cool. That I am rooting for that chaos with you. Look, look this is why I get, you know, why, why, why I wrote yesterday like was you know i didn't expect to write that yesterday you guys like you guys have all been involved in baseball your whole lives right i've been covering sports since 2008 i didn't think it was possible for me to still be this mad about it to be honest with you like to still feel like damn that's messed up 
And like, that's what I felt yesterday. And it's because like you've got this owner in John Fisher who has been notoriously bad at being a steward for the team to have the audacity to try to pin any kind of blame at all on attendance, on fans, on their devotion to the team. It's bullshit. It's wrong. And like somebody had to say that. All right. Like, it's just, you know, someone has to say, hey, man, you might be the billionaire. You might call all the shots. You are still wrong. These people that supported the team for all those years that stopped coming because you basically made them stop coming. Don't kick them on the way out the door too, man. Go get your bag. Go get your money. It's business. We get it. But you don't have to slander the fans on the way out. You just don't have to do that. It's a great call. We commend you. It's elitist bullshit from, from John, and we've been all over him, too. I mean, dude should not be in the game at all. And and anyone that thinks otherwise is freaking lying, and they're getting paid by him. So, Mark, great to have you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. We it, yeah. it needed to be said. Thanks for coming on, dude. We'd love to have you back sometime. This was great. Thank you. Can we run slap hands? Okay, so... I'm kind of calling out what we're doing, calling the shots here, and, and Gab's just crushing it behind the scenes, getting us from shot to shot. So uh, Sheffield Shuffler, uh, we're going to get a little guest. Uh, his name's Pete. He runs a great show and some great accounts on social. He's going to ask you guys some questions for the last 10 minutes of the show. The one thing while he's probably getting checked in is I wanted to see if we can uh, show this little David Wright clip from the New York Mets before we bring him in. Or is he ready? Should we should we do that second? Okay. Let's Let's bring him in. So Pete from Sheffield Shuffler joining us right now. Great to have you. We got some people in the YouTube chat right now that are like, let's go. Where's Pete? Five minutes late, but that's actually good for us. How you doing, Pete? Good. I brought a crew, boys. I told you. We're going to bring some some traffic to the page. We got got Friday. It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah, I love the shirt, too. That's a Friday shirt. Weather's getting a little warm. I like it. So first off, I'll hand it to you to ask these guys what you wanted to ask them, and then we'll mix in some questions that you got from your fan base. Sure, absolutely. So one thing that we talk about a lot is um, MLB's marketing, right? A lot of us as fans, we believe MLB has a marketing problem, right? Okay, you see Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes goes to a Walmart anywhere in the country, people are going to say, oh my God, it's Pat Mahomes, it's Pat Mahomes. You can do that, you know, anywhere in the country, Aaron Rodgers, Nobody would know if Nolan Arenado, even Shohei Machado is anywhere outside of their city doing kind of shopping. Nobody would recognize them. Why is that? How, and, and how do we fix it? And we have some, some ideas on how to fix that. And I want to get your guys' take on it. Can I, can I go ahead? Yeah, yeah go ahead. So, so last year, Edwin Diaz um, had an entrance, right? And there was one game where they didn't cut to commercial break. They followed him. He came out from the bullpen and the doors opened up and you saw City Field and Timmy Trumpets. And it was like cinematic almost. So people watching from home are like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Why is this, why is this guy get his own song? The whole thing is to like invest and be interested in players. If people don't know about these players, their stories, things like that, nobody's going to care, right? So that's one idea I saw last season that was like, that is a great idea. Don't cut to commercial. It's the bottom of the ninth, and he's coming in to make a save. Let that play. You know, it's almost like let it breathe. Because in, in other sports, we see, you know, who Tom Brady's dating. We know what Aaron, what uh, drugs Aaron Rodgers is doing. You know, Lamar, <laughs> Lamar Jackson's contract issues. So – 
not trying to blow smoke up your butts here, but that's why this show is the future of MLB media because you get that unfiltered personal take on players, the guys that you watch and get to learn who they are as a person, what makes them tick, advice for young athletes. And that's why I think this show is very special. Pete, repeat, repeat, Pete, repeat. Just keep it going. Just clip that, please. Our social media needs to clip We're that because that I is hot. I got, I got tons more guys. How about this? How about Liam Hendricks just kicked cancer's ass, right? He's one of the best closers in baseball. Unless you follow baseball closely, you probably don't know that he was third in saves last season, a career high of 38 uh, saves the season before that. Can you imagine if, if a running back, you know, Delvin cook or, you know, premier running back had cancer and then beats it. Who that would be all over everywhere that those stories need to be celebrated. That needs to be shared around the game. Like, this is something awesome. He's, you know, he's a tough Aussie. Like he's like, he's a personality. That's something that you can build around. And those are the kind of things um, that we want to see. Last thing would be, I want to know how you guys feel about this. Cause you guys were obviously playing the game, but more day games, right? I, I, I can't watch nine games at seven Oh five. Right. But if they're spread out 12, one, two, three, whatever it is, I can watch a game during noon. Everybody works from home nowadays, guys. Nobody, everybody's not going to the office, so it is possible to have day games. So I just wanted to get your guys' uh, take on that. Pete, now these things are all great, and I agree with you and everything, but it comes down to, you know what? It's a money sure. thing, and it comes down to the brass. It comes down to MLB making this happen, and they're not doing it. There's a problem. If they're not making the money, bud, nobody's making the money, and that's the biggest problem we have. We have Mike Trout who plays in California, which 70% of people don't even get to see play anymore. Well, why don't we make more day games for this guy to play? You know what I mean? So you make some great points. The brass and MLB has to figure that out. But if they're not making money off it, then there's a big problem. So it's a business. It's a big business. And that's the unfortunate part about getting names like those guys out. Um, they're not worried about it. They're worried about, you know, helping each other out instead of, you know, prospering the game a little bit more for sure. Good call, though, by you. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah. And then la lastly would be like about the, uh, the rule changes, right? So can we, can we agree that the reason new rules are being implemented is to bring in a new fan base? Is that the, the idea behind this? Is that, that's right. Right. Yeah. Essentially. Okay. Yes. Different, different okay. demographic. So my point is if you didn't watch at three hours, you're not watching at two and a half. OK, we're, we're, we're making these these crazy rules. Oh, he's going to pinch run, but he's got to pitch for five innings. Like who care if you don't watch baseball, you don't care about it, do you? You, you, you? The biggest thing is to, I think, create stories and invest in players to make people care about it. You can use their wives. Freddie Freeman's wife has a business. My wife follows her. Oh, now, hey, babe, Freddie Freeman's up. You uh, bought a T-shirt from her wife's store, right? Now people are interested because they know the family. They know the story. Those are the kind of things that the marketing department should elevate to help with because these rule changes, in my opinion, I don't think are going to bring anybody because it doesn't do anything. Like I said, if you're not watching it three hours, you're not watching it two and a half. <laughs> that, no, that, no that's, that's one of, that was one of my gripes is I feel like the media and Scotty, you were part of it, I think pushed this whole time limit thing because they're at the ballpark and they don't want to be there. I'm an incredible baseball fan my entire life. Yes, I got to play, but I'm a huge fan. I didn't care if I was there, but I do understand that the time was getting a little bit and I wish it wasn't necessarily about the time and it was more about, 
hey, let's, let's kill the dead time. Let's kill the dead time because we need to, like you said, market these players. We need to market it to what people are digesting right now. Is it 11 seconds? Is it 14 seconds? How fast are they digesting it? And it'll bring people in. It will, and I, I know it will, but I'm on, I'm on your side in the sense that there's so much more to sell a player. There's so much more to connect with somebody. Like, think about how much people watched F1 racing before the Netflix documentaries. Sure. So many more people. Mm-hmm. MLB, uncle, let the doors open. Let the guys be shown for what they are. Because when you see not the darker sides, we're not looking for the dark sides. When you see the human element of things, that's it. People right. connect. I don't connect. I don't connect with Todd because Todd's from New Jersey. I grew up in Philadelphia. Boom. I'm connecting with Chaz McCormick, who's playing for the Astros team. I don't even like, but he grew up outside of Philadelphia. He went to Westchester. Like you follow him around. Oh, that's so sick. I used to go and eat there because that's where, you know, that kind of thing is how I think the game will sell and connect. And I think you are spot on with your comments. And I think your hat is absolutely smashing too, by yeah. the way. Oh, no, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> the hat is we can throw that one away, but that's the only problem I got. Hey, guys, I'm in South Philly, so I got it over at the uh, Cherry Hill Mall. So, uh, yeah. So you you came to Jersey, Jersey to get a Philly hat. I, yeah, that's. We, we got, got a problem. problem. Now, now we got, got another episode coming out here. You and me. We, we got to talk. You and me going to Jersey to get that hat. Where, where are you at in South Philly? Where are you at in South Philly, Pete? Um, I am close to Cherry Hill, one of the towns around there. I don't want to give out the town because there's a lot of weirdos on the internet. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Wanna... There are. Trust me. Yeah, I didn't um, want to do that one, but no, I love, I love that. South Philly, southeastern Pennsylvania. Yeah, Appreciate you guys got to bring me out to the to the studio. I'll bring a couple of Wawa hoagies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got because we we only got two minutes left. <clears throat> I want to ba- I want to bite back on one thing. Because I'm with you on the marketing, with you on some of the gimmicky bullshit that they're doing in the Atlantic League is dumb. Here's my one thing. It's not because I don't want to be at the ballpark as long as a media member. I forget the word time. It's pace. Because I grew up watching the game, 90s baseball. It's not that anymore. Like You can look back and everybody was throwing a pitch within 15, 20 seconds. So if you want to extend the pitch clock a few ticks because it's bothering someone, or also, of course, if Cody Bellinger or someone's coming up, they shouldn't have to write this permission slip to MLB and give him an extra, you know, whatever amount of time he needs to get an ovation. But I do think players were getting so, so slow. Not everyone, but there were way too many, especially relievers, coming into a game, and I would sit down with my family and go, ready, let's play. One, two, and we'd get to like 45 frequently that is too long between pitches in my mind that was the problem I had I just want action you don't need to change the game the rules are still the same so for me it's not about oh three hours versus two and a half it was just every time there was a pitch thrown the last four or five years by 80 percent of the pitchers in the league I could go to my phone and watch four TikToks and then come back up watch Kratz go viral on TikTok come back up that was my problem that I think we're solving and that's fine that's totally fine I'm 
cool with killing dead time, but I was lied to because I said the, the game would not be um, changed because of these rules. And now people are getting strikes because he didn't look up just fast enough at the pitcher to address him at seven seconds. Now you're affecting the game. I don't want to see that in October. I want to play the game just like the World, uh, World Baseball Classic. None of those rules were implemented. And look how many people watched because it was a beautiful, beautiful series. So when it starts affecting the game and now you've got a strike already and now you've got a ball, that's where I have a problem. That's fine. Kill the dead time. But when you start affecting the game, I don't like that. No, I feel you. And I think guys will adjust and, and you'll have less of that. And if they need to, to move it up a couple ticks for that to all make sense, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if they called the rules committee, which has players on it, to actually talk through things with them. But what Merrifield told us, no one calls them. So, hey, sure. Pete, this was great, man. We, we're, we're out of time. We hit three. We all got to go live our lives. But really yes. appreciate you coming on and uh, telling us what, what you got going on, man. Yeah, I mean, just follow me on my socials. I make uh, cool content. I do it for a living. So I'm living the dream. Feel free to have me back on anytime. That Wawa uh, sandwich, the hoagie is still <laughs> on the table. So hopefully I will talk to you guys sometime soon. Yeah, appreciate Thanks, you. Bro. Yeah, we'll that definitely awesome. have you back. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate right, you, man. Thanks. All right, and that's it. Top Father, Kratzy. We're going to play a little music and get you out of here on a Friday. Let's win our bets tonight, please. Come on. All come of on. us, let's get a clean sweep. Come on, one time. One time. I got to get my um, 6.30 game going. I got to work on my signals. You look, in, you look like you're in prime form, and you're a Yes Network superstar now, too. I mean, oh, you got it all on this appreciate week. Appreciate it. Yeah. He's a suitman. He's got his three-piece three suit on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a suitman. Great job, man. He's Great living job. two lives. He's living two good lives right now. He's got the suit, and he's got the chill sweatshirt and a little... What's, what what hat Scratch got on right there? We got a oh, shoot. Got it real quick. It's a little July 4th. July 4th, uh, Columbus Clippers ring your bells. They, they're not afraid. A little small ballpark, Louisville Bats coming in. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. Yeah. Enjoy the crap out of it. And foulterritoryshop.com if you want one of these, okay? They look better on you than they will on me. So that's my Kratats. We'll see you Monday. Hey, BetMGM is running an MLB Bet $10, get $100 instantly promo when you use the bonus code SPICYMLB. And you can get this offer in four easy steps. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Place a pregame Moneyline wager of at least $10 on any MLB team to win at standard odds price. Then you will receive $100 in bonus bets instantly. If you sign up in Massachusetts or Ohio, you will receive $200 in bonus bets. Just remember to use the bonus code SPICYMLB. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING.